Welcome to Marriage Day Podcast. I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my wife, Karen, and this podcast exists to help every couple succeed in marriage. And we're going to do a Q&A here. Uh, we got some of your questions, and uh, we're going to answer a couple of questions, and then we're going to go to a teaching on God and money. And Karen, money is a big issue mm-hmm. for people in marriage. I, I mean, think for anybody, really. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but we have a couple of questions. Let me read a question to you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, how do you move forward when your spouse has lost the faith? We started out our marriage as two believers, and now seven years in, my husband has decided he doesn't believe in God anymore. We are still committed to each other and striving to make things work, but I'm grieving the loss of a spiritual companion. That's a big That's deal. A, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a really tough one. Well, first of all, just to encourage her that, you know, when we first got married, I was probably more into God and church than you were. Yeah. Um, the difference here, though, is that she didn't, he didn't even believe in God anymore. And so... First of all, I would say pray your guts out (laughs) because, you know, God hears her prayers and he cares about what's going on in their marriage and with her personally. And so, you know, I always begin to pray about it and just really seek God and um, maybe get some counsel of, you know, friends that can support you and how you walk this out. But the Bible is very clear that sometimes you can be married to an unbeliever and win them over. Uh, with your own faith and how you treat someone. So don't give up and just know that it can, with God, all things are possible, truly. Well, First Peter 3 is written to a woman. Mm-hmm. It begins by talking to a woman who has a husband who's disobedient to the faith. Mm-hmm. And it says that she can win him through her chaste and respectful behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's what she did with me. Yeah. You know, so making your faith as attractive as you can. You know, so you've got a question. Uh, we've been married for almost two years, and I am so frustrated with my wife when it comes to money. We both have well-paying jobs, but she doesn't save any of her money and spends large amounts without telling me. How do I confront her about this? Well, it's a fundamental problem with how they're dealing with money. Yeah. He says, her money, my money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm the main breadwinner in our home, and which is great and always have been, but it's not my money. It's our money. Mm -hmm. And so, and I never say to you, now this is my money, you know, and here you have an allowance over Mm -hmm. here. There is no my money, your money. When you get married, one of the laws of marriage, according to Genesis 2.24, is the law of partnership. They too shall become one. Financially, you're still two. And so you have to begin by repairing the fundamental problem of separateness. If you want to be separate, stay single. But when you get married, you're one, which means you have one. Even if you have separate bank accounts, it's all your money, and you manage it together. Uh, having a budget and having a plan is critical mm-hmm. because it makes you agree. You come together and you say, okay, we're going to spend this much money on this and this much money on this, and it gives you a place of accountability. But if you don't have a budget, if you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. what are you accountable to? Mm-hmm. It's just situational. And you say, well, she spends too much money. Says who? I mean, and so... Go out and get help, get financial help, get financial counseling, have a budget together. Mm -hmm. But right now, you're literally just two individuals in marriage not sharing money and you have yours and she has hers. It's, you're, you're separate. Well, it, it, you question maybe that there is something else that they're separated with from. Exactly. You know, there's probably a trail of things that they do separate instead of as one. Absolutely. Is You know, you and I, we have uh, a plan for our finances mm-hmm. that we both agree on. Mm-hmm. We don't make any decisions, significant decisions, without talking about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that doesn't mean we can't spend any amount of money without talking. It's just nothing significant. All of our decisions we make together, it's all mm-hmm. our money. Yeah. It doesn't matter where it came from. It's our money. So we hope that that helps. We're going to go now to this teaching, 
And this is from a series called God and Money. And I really do believe this is about the rich young ruler talking about the way we look at money and wh whether God's going to bless it or he's not going to bless it. And so stay tuned for this teaching. God bless you. So this is Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, Luke 18, 18. A certain ruler asked him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. He said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. So the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Now I'm gonna give, give you an opinion. This is purely my opinion. I believe that this was the disciple who is going to take Judas's place. You have to remember, Jesus knew that he had the son of the devil in his camp. And he knew that Judas would defect. So the reason I believe that is because Jesus calls this man the same way he called the original 12. It's kind of a unique way that he calls this man. Sell all that you have, come follow me. Individually, come follow me. And so when this man did not fulfill God's will for his life, we know that for sure. Why? Because he was enslaved to money. He, he didn't have money, money had him. There's nothing wrong with you having money. The problem is money having you. And his money made his decisions for him. God said, follow me. Money said, you can't. And guess who won? Money won. That's how you know you're enslaved by money. God wants you to do this, you do this. The, the, the end result of money in your life is the devil wants to use it to prevent you from being who God wants you to be. Unsurrendered money, mammon, will always force us to do the opposite of what God wants because we live either with greed or fear or whatever it is that motivates us to get more of these. That's the purpose of our lives. And so the question, one of the questions becomes, why did the rich young ruler, you know, walk away from Jesus? Let me say this also. This is around the year 33 AD when this story is happening. In the year 70 AD, the Roman uh, army invaded Jerusalem under the general Titus, who later became the emperor Titus, in AD 70. 37 years from this story, this man was going to lose everything he had if he lived that long. What he had was destined for destruction. So when he wouldn't give it away, he was going to lose it anyway. But I'm going to say this to all of us. All of us, as believers, we're going to go to heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And when you give to the Lord, not only are you doing good on this earth, you're sending it ahead. Jesus said, if any person gives up house or wife or children or brothers and sisters for the sake of the kingdom of God, you shall receive much more in this lifetime and in the age to come eternal life. In other words, not only am I gonna bless you here, I'm gonna bless you there. 
when you give. What about when you don't give? You, it's all lose-lose. The kingdom of God was not benefited by the money you had in this world and you're not gonna receive the reward when you get there. So it's either win-win or lose-lose. In his case, it was lose-lose. Let me, let me read this a little bit more patiently, this, this one little text here, Luke 18, 28 and 29. Peter said, when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, Peter said, we have left all and followed you. He said to them, assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, listen, who shall not receive many times more in this present time, many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. I wanna give you the King Jimmy version of that scripture there. Don't you whine to me about giving. I'm, I'm, I'm pretending I'm Jesus for this minute. I'm, I'm good at it, by the way. <laughs> playing like I'm God. Don't you dare act like victims when I ask you to give something up. Because anything you give up for the sake of the kingdom of God, I'm gonna give it back to you many times more in this lifetime and also eternal life in the next life. There, there are no victims in the kingdom of God. And when Jesus says to this rich young rooter, I want you to give everything have, you have away and come and follow me, you, have, you understand now, he wasn't asking him to lose something, he was asking him to invest something. When you give to God, you're not losing it, it's your future. You're, everything you sow into the kingdom of God, you're gonna meet in your future. I'm gonna give you many times more in this life. Whatever relationship you give up, whatever opportunity you give up, whatever, whatever you give up, you're gonna meet it many times in your future and you're gonna live with it for all of eternity. That is a good deal. What's the alternative? Not to do it. And you're gonna lose it anyway. But there's no benefit to the kingdom and there's no benefit to us eternally. And so the rich young rooter is really an object lesson in why so many believers never achieve their destiny in God because they're controlled by money. What they think they own owns them and controls them. Revelation 13, the Antichrist, Revelation 13 says, when the Antichrist is ruling on the earth, that you will not be able to do business unless you receive a mark in your forehand or in your hand or on your forehead the Antichrist does not rule through military power. He rules through financial power. Now, we won't be here. You won't, if you're a believer, you're going in the rapture. You won't be here during that time. But the Bible says that's good news. That's worth clapping for. I can tell you right there. Think about living on the earth with the most evil man in the history of the world controlling money. He says, you want to buy food for your children? You want to go to the doctor with your sick kid? You want a roof over your head? And see, the mark is more than just a financial instrument. It's a, it's a pledge of allegiance to the Antichrist and what he stands for. And the Bible says, if any man receives the mark of the beast, he'll drink of the full winepress of the wrath of Almighty God. And this is the God during the tribulation of people who love money. He's the perfect leader for a, a society and a generation. But many people will get saved during the tribulation. And many people, Christians during the tribulation who are getting saved will be faced with the dilemma, do I receive the mark or do I trust God? 
It really is no different than today. Do I worship mammon or do I worship God? Money offers us four things that only God can deliver on. But here are the four things that money offers us. Security, if you watch uh, uh, advertisements on TV about financial firms or anything, the word security is in there constantly. If you have money, it's gonna make you secure. Identity, you're gonna be somebody. If you have enough money, you're gonna be something special. You're gonna have status in society. Destiny, money gives us destiny. Our future is set. You get enough money, your future is set. And freedom, I'm able to live without oppression, oversight, or undue restraint. And again, in financial ads, you hear the word freedom all the time. Let me say this. So when Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to, to enter the kingdom of heaven, the reason that's true is rich people trust in these. Not all. There are many very righteous, wealthy people. There are many people that have money and money doesn't have them. My in-laws are them. I have some friends like that. that they, they're, they're wealthy, but they're not controlled by money. They use money in a righteous manner. Most rich people believe they're secure, they have identity, they have a destiny, and they have freedom because of these right now. Jesus called it in Mark 4, the deceitfulness of riches. And they love, the, they love these because they believe this promise. Here's the other thing about mammon, and that is you don't have to, you don't have to give. You don't have to be moral. You, you don't have to do what the Bible says. You don't have to pray. There, there is no moral allegiance to a higher being with mammon. It's just money. It's all, it's all money. But with God, to get God's blessing on our finances, we have to surrender to him. We have to live according to his rules. This is the big deal. But God, God blesses us. Well, let, me, let me go through the, these four just a little bit more slowly. And let me talk about what the Bible says about security, identity, destiny, and freedom. Because you need those. These are four things we all need. This is, let's talk about security. This is Proverbs 11. He who trusts in his riches will fall. That's a promise. There are good promises in the Bible, and there are bad promises in the Bible. This is a bad promise. And by the way, this is not a promise for rich people. It's a promise for everybody who has a dollar bill in their pocket. If your ultimate trust is in your money, you're gonna fall. But the righteous will flourish like foliage, Hebrews 13. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God, God says, did you know I will never leave you or forsake you? You don't need a wallet. You need me. I am your wallet. As long as I'm with you, what can man do to you as long as I'm with you? My security is not in money. My security is in God. Money cannot create an identity for you. The only thing it can do is create a false identity for you. Your true identity was given to you by God in your mother's womb. You know what the Bible says? God has so many thoughts about you in your mother's womb, they can't be numbered. They're like the sand of the seashore. In other words, God detailed out your life before you were ever born. And he will give you more than enough. If you'll follow him and trust him, he will give you more than enough to fulfill his identity for you. But money doesn't give you an identity. Let me say this right now. I want, I want to say this to some of you that maybe struggle with your, your self-esteem. Some of the most important people in our community don't get paid much money and they never will. We cannot pay teachers enough, much, uh, enough money. We can't pay firefighters enough money. 
We can't pay police enough money. We can't pay the armed forces, the first responders. We can't pay those people enough money. They are precious, precious to our society. And what would we do without those precious people? And when you say that money gives me identity, what you're saying to those people is you're nothing because you don't have enough money. Because in many cases, they barely survive with what they make. And I'm saying not only, not only do they have an identity, they're some of the most important people among us. This, you, you've heard this scripture before, Philippians 4. Not, this is Paul. Not that, not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, poor. I know how to abound, be rich. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we, we see that verse quoted a lot, but out of context. And here's what Paul was saying. I've lived with a lot of these and I've lived with very few of them. I can do all things. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my identity. And I had a man one day come to church. He said, Pastor Jimmy, I need you to pray for me. And I said, okay, I'd be happy to ask what's going on. He said, I'm going to kill myself. I said, well, you, you want to pray for me before you go kill yourself? He said, well, I'm struggling. And I said, why? He said, I lost my job. I said, you're going to kill yourself because you lost your job? He said, yeah. I'm, he said, I'm nobody now. 1929, when the stock market crashed all over New York City and around the United States, men were killing themselves and jumping off buildings because this was their identity. And when they lost all these, they lost their identity. You are not your money. You are a child of God who was made in your mother's womb to serve God. You are not your money. Don't you let mammon lie to you. Luke 12. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Listen to these words. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? He said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. God controls my future, not money. God can stop your heart anytime he wants to. God is the one. Our destiny is one. The, the whole point of this story was this rich man thought, since I have enough money, my destiny is set. And God says, you're a fool. You're a fool. I'm going to take your life tonight, and you're not going to have anything. Money doesn't, money doesn't decide one single thing about tomorrow. God does whether I'm going to have one or not, and whether it's going to be good or not. And with God's blessing all of your, on your life, all of your tomorrows are going to be good. And without God's blessing, none of them are going to be good. And there's one more, and I'm done. This is freedom. First of all, the rich young ruler wasn't free. He, he wasn't free. He was in bondage to money. 
Mark 4. These are the ones who sung among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Jesus is talking here about believers who don't bear fruit for God. And these are, there's four different kinds of soil. One is good soil, the other's hard and rocky soil. This is the thorny soil and he's, he's interpreting this parable to the disciples. And he's saying the ones among the thorns, the seed is the word of God, the, the ground is our hearts. He's saying the reason that they couldn't uh, bear fruit, it says the cares of this world, that means stress. It means an anxious awareness is stress. Because of stress and the deceitfulness of riches, they can't bear fruit. Let me go back and say the purpose of money in your life for the devil is to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. And the devil deceives us by saying, you don't need God, you need more money. Money will give you what God will give you, but you're in control of it. You're in control. And you don't have to have any moral allegiance. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to give. You don't have to do anything. That's, that's the deceitfulness of riches. And what happens is God walks up to you like the rich young leader. And he says, I've got a purpose for your life. I want you to follow me. And I want you to surrender your finances. And we lock up. Just like the rich young leader. He missed his destiny in God because he didn't have money. Money had him. And he ended up losing it anyway. And I'm, I'm saying to all of us today, our security, our identity, our destiny, and our freedom is 100% in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he and he alone has the authority to oversee our finances. Everything we have, we need to surrender to him. And what happens when you surrender your finances to God and he begins to make your finances. The spirit of mammon goes off your money and the spirit of God comes on your money and now you're blessed and now you can prosper and it's a win-win deal. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage and I wanna thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, Hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.